Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. We have been in a series looking at Old Testament characters called uh, Stories of Old. And today I want to look at David and Goliath and my message is called Facing Giants. Facing Giants. Now the story of David and Goliath is legendary. It's not just loved in the church, it's loved right throughout society, culture and history. So much imagery is taken from this amazing battle between this young shepherd boy and this huge giant. When it comes to sport, we love a giant killing story, don't we? When it comes to our songs, we love to sing about giants. We're going to try this out, okay? You are my champion. For when you stand undefeated. Very good. Okay, next one. I know a... That was terrible. I know a killer. I know a mighty God. Okay, one more, one more. Here we go. You ready? It's like mastermind, <laughs> but not quite. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the... Oh. Fear cannot survive when we praise you. It's so deeply in us, this love of the idea of someone small bringing down someone arrogant and great. And as we look at this story of David and Goliath, I want to pray that God would speak to us in the familiar text and bring something to us that can help transform us. So we're looking at 1 Samuel 17. If you have a Bible, you might want to open it up. It's going to hopefully come on the screen as well. 1 Samuel 17, starting at verse 4. A champion named Goliath, who's from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. They reckon he was nine feet, nine inches tall. So he was a big lad. You know, he was, he was taller than Peter Crouch. Um, he had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels on his legs. He wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and his iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servant of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Story goes on. David who would have been around the age of 18, 19, is looking after his father's sheep. And his father, Jesse, sends David to provide provisions for his brothers who are fighting in the war. And uh, David goes to the front line to give his brothers the provisions. And he hears Goliath, this massive giant, step forward and begin to breathe out these blasphemous, murderous threats. And David is enraged. And so David stands before Saul, who's the king of Israel, and he says in verse 32, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Now, we have to understand this is like ludicrous. 
This is laughable. David, this young shepherd boy, he goes and he stands in front of the most powerful man in Israel, the king, Saul, and he says, hey, buddy, don't worry about it. Yeah, I can see all the armies are terrified and dismayed, but I'm going to sort it out. You guys can chill out, relax, and I'll go and defeat Goliath. And, and it's just crazy and ludicrous. And Saul, recognizing just how silly this is, says, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. David has got some serious chops here, okay? That's just, that's a pretty impressive. You know, I'd be like, lion, have your lunch, see you later. But David's like, you come here now. Um, Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Basically saying, right, see you later. I'll pay for your funeral. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put on a coat of armour on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine with the shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. I wonder if David had a little bit in the writing of this section of the story. I imagine. So, so yeah, just put glowing with health and handsome. It's like the modern day equivalent of a filter on Instagram, isn't it? You know, your beach snaps, the filter that makes it look a bit more bronze and a bit more toned. This is what David was doing. Healthy, handsome, glowing, beautiful. Um, And it goes on that Goliath despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give you flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and I'll cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. You can sort of see David's songwriting skills coming through in all this. All those, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered will know that there is a God in Israel. So all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistines moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone. He slung it struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down to the ground. So David triumphed. It's good, isn't it? It is good. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took out the Philistine's sword, drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. 
Then the men from Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines. Incredible story. So what can we learn from this for us today? September the 3rd, 2023. First thing I see in this story is that we need, when it comes to facing giants, we need to embrace the hidden. Embrace the hidden. I love how this story gives us so much background information, so much behind the scenes story. And what you realise is that this confrontation was not a one-off fluke. It was the result of years of preparation, years of formation that David underwent whilst looking after sheep on the backside of a hill. David was a shepherd boy. And many of you will know that in biblical times, a shepherd was like the lowest of the low. They're at the very bottom of the social path. Anyone who was a shepherd was going nowhere in life. And there David was, often forgotten. We see earlier that when Samuel, the prophet, is to anoint the next king of Israel, he goes to Jesse, David's father, and says, I'm to anoint one of your sons as the king. And they go through all the sons. It's not you, it's not you, it's not you. And are there any other sons? Samuel asked Jesse. And Jesse goes, ah, oh, yes, actually, yeah, Nathan mentioned it. There is another one who looks after the sheep. And David is brought before Samuel and God says, this is my man. And he anoints him to become king. David was often overlooked. He was forgotten. He spent much time in hidden places, but it was in those places that God prepared him to face giants that prepared him for the future. Why did David believe that he was qualified to take on this giant Goliath? Because when looking after sheep, he learned the skill of using a sling and a stone. He'd learned that God could be trusted, that God would protect him. And he said to Saul, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. What we see in David's life is that in that secret hidden place, God was forming and shaping him. God didn't waste any of that time because God never wastes a moment. God never wastes a moment. Some of you are here today, you feel hidden. You feel forgotten. You feel lost. You don't know where your life's going. You don't know what you're doing. You, you look back to good times and you thought, how have I ended up here? But know this, God never wastes a moment. That this moment you're walking through, God can use it to prepare you and equip you to face giants, to make good choices in years to come. And we need to be a people that when the tough times come, we open our hearts and our minds and say, Jesus, use this to make me more like you. Use this to help me to depend on you more. Use this so that others can experience and see how good you are. For me personally, the last few months have been really painful, really hard. I've had to confront some dark periods of my history. At times I felt confused, overwhelmed. I felt anxious. I felt emotionally at sea. And it's been really, really difficult. But a while ago, I just began to feel something shift because I know many of you here will have experienced moments where you just feel like you're sinking deeper and deeper into this pit. And it's a really unpleasant place to be. But I began by the Spirit of God 
and the Word of God to see that actually God, in this moment that I can't control, I can't fix the outcome. But God, I want to invite you in to use this to prepare me, to mold me, to make me more like you, to work on my character. Give me in this hidden, painful, challenging place gold, trust, courage for the years of ministry and life to come. And as I found myself picking up my guitar more than I've probably picked up for a long time and just pouring out the pain through song, I felt God come and strengthen me, draw close to me. And so some of you here, I wanna encourage you, allow God into those hidden dark places and watch what he can do. I love what the author A.W. Pink and can we just say what an amazing name that is? Nothing to do with Barbie, but he's written a lot about David. And he says this, that God teaches in secret that soul which he's elected shall serve him in public. God teaches in the secret places, those hidden places, and equips us with gold that can be outworked and demonstrated in public places. You see, the lessons learned in the secret hidden places are the lessons that will serve us best for public places. And so maybe some here today, you need to reframe the giant before you, your circumstances, and rather than being overcome with fear, to say, God, may this be a moment of preparation, a moment of humility, a moment of growing deeper in my trust of you so that I can be bold to serve you in years to come and to challenge even bigger giants that may come my way. David had learned to face the bear and the lion, but that was preparation for the bigger giant that was to come in Goliath. So if you wanna face the giants, embrace the hidden. But the second thing, if you wanna face giants, you've gotta learn what it is to be yourself. At the wedding of our future King of England, William and Catherine, future King and Queen of England, um, the Bishop of London, the then Bishop of London, Richard Chartres, was speaking and this ceremony was watched by hundreds of millions of people. And in his talk, he quoted St. Catherine of Siena who said this, be who God meant you to be and you will set the world on fire. And in this story, we see this outworked beautifully. David, be who you are meant to be, called by God to be and you will set the world on fire. David persuades Saul to let him fight. But what Saul does, and it makes perfect logical sense, is he begins to dress David in his armour. The best armour that Israel had to offer, the king's armour, he puts it round in the best protection, the best offensive weaponry. And David's swimming in it. And he realises this isn't me. This isn't going to work. So David takes it off. He says, I'm not used to them. And then we read that he took his staff in his hand chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag with his sling in his hand and he approached the Philistine. See, David knew this important truth that God would use him best when he was most himself. That God would use David the best when David was most himself. You see, God has created us all uniquely 
We've all had different journeys, different moments, different experiences, all of which have shaped and formed us. We are all packed full of different gifts and skill sets and wirings. And the tragedy is we waste it when we compare ourselves to others. Comparison is such a killer because it limits us. And when we try and take on metaphorically, place on ourselves the armour of other people, we limit what God can do. There is no question in my mind that had David gone out to battle to face Goliath wearing King Saul's armour, he'd have been murdered in a moment. But David, he rejected the ways of the world, what made sense in the eyes of the world, what the world saw as strength and power and skill and authority and anointing. And he got rid of it all and he picked up what looked to the world as foolishness, as sling and stones. And he went out as himself and God's power was breathed on him and worked in and through him to bring about a great victory. God's power is most demonstrated and outworked through us when we are most ourselves. And when we are trying to be someone else, trying to take on the gifts of others, we actually limit what God can do through us. Malcolm Gladwell, he's written many books, um, outliers, and different books on sort of leadership, uh, culture. And I don't know if he's professed himself to be a Christian, but he's written this brilliant book called David v. Goliath, looking at giant killing stories. And he suggests in this book that we've misunderstood this story of David and Goliath, that we've limited it. And he argues that to simplify the story to that of being, well, here's Goliath, this great fearsome warrior who's so strong and mighty. And of course, he is always gonna win unless there's a crazy, crazy one-off fluke. And then on the other side, here's David, this kind of weak, wimpish, slightly kind of, you know, spotty teenager who's got no hope, no skill, no strength, nothing good going for him, that you have these two extremes and then this one moment is kind of like a complete one-off. He would suggest, no, that's unfair. Now, obviously, he's looking at the story not through the lens of a miracle, through God Almighty bringing about a great victory, but he's saying, humanly speaking, yes, Goliath was big, fearsome, a well-trained warrior, but he was also vulnerable. And David, yes, he was small in stature. He was inexperienced, but he was skillful with a sling. He was courageous and he was agile. And he, Gladwell says the thing that won the victory for David was that David chose to fight in a way that surprised Goliath. Goliath was expecting one-on-one -on -one combat. That's why Saul was putting the armour on David. That's what the logical solution was. And, and, and David recognised that if he was to go out in this armour and to fight close contact with Goliath, like WWF wrestling, if anyone remember, oh, someone loved <laughs> So a bit too into that. Uh, we'll pray for you afterwards. If David had engaged with Goliath in that way again, he'd have been killed, but David knew what it was to grab a sling and a stone and fly it from a vast distance to hit an animal or a predator to bring about a death. How are you facing the giants before you? The challenges in the workplace, the challenges in your finances, with your health, people around you, the demons within perhaps. How are you facing them? Don't face a giant putting on someone else's armour. Allow God to use you in the way that he made you. You see, Saul wanted to clothe David 
with the best military armour the world had to offer. But God wanted to clothe David with the power of the Holy Spirit that was most outworked when David was simply himself. What unique gifts, characteristics, experiences do you have that can bring life and blessing to others? Some of you might have journeyed through something really painful, but actually that pain you've journeyed through can be a gift to journey with others going through similar things. That it wasn't wasted, that it was agony, it was painful. But if you allow God to use it, it can be a great encouragement, a lifeline to others who are dealing with some of the pain you too had to deal with. Be yourself. And then finally, how do we face giants? Well, we need to see the bigger picture. David knew that he wasn't simply fighting flesh. He wasn't simply fighting Goliath in front of him, this giant. He was engaged in a battle, a spiritual battle, and he was fighting on behalf of the name of the living God. Listen to that. I mean, this is brilliant. David said to Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I, I come against you with something so much more powerful, so much more glorious, so much more special. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. For David, this was a battle over worship. What enraged him, was not that Goliath was mocking the Israelite army. It wasn't simply that the Israelites were struck with fear and terror. What enraged David was that Goliath had the audacity to mock the God that David was utterly devoted to. It's like as David was there giving food to his brothers and he heard him defy the God of the Israelite army. David was like, enough is enough. I will put my body on the line for this because I will not stand by and watch someone mock Yahweh who I give everything for and get away with it. And so David recognised that this was an opportunity for God's glory to be manifest, for God to bring a great victory because he recognised that this battle belonged to the Lord. All of Israel missed him. The Israelite army, they were focusing on the wrong thing. They were focusing on the sword and the spear and the javelin. But David, David, a man after God's own heart, knew that this was a victory that God was going to bring. We've used this quote many times, A.W. Tozer. says, it's what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What we think about God, it is the most important thing about us. It will affect how we live, how we view ourselves, how we view others, the choices that we make. And the problem is so many of us have such a small view of God. David, in this massive moment of confrontation, when he thought, what is my view of God? He thought, you know, my God, my God is a giant slayer. My God will not be mocked or ridiculed. My God is the first, the last, the beginning and the end from everlasting to everlasting. My God rules and reigns over all powers, dominions, nations and rulers. And David, full of this, steps out before Goliath and all the Philistine army and he, he screams at them, this very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel 
All those who gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. We see this sentiment again in Zechariah 4, 6, not by my, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. For the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. David saw the bigger picture. The others missed. I love what the US author Andrew Womack writes. He says, David not only saw himself the way God saw him, but he also viewed other things, including giants, the way God saw them. We're going to pray in a moment that the Spirit of God would come and enable us to see how God views us because there's so much corruption, dysfunctionality in the way we believe God sees us. God sees us and he loves us. He sees that we are chosen, that we're called, we're adopted into his family that we're co-heirs with Christ, that we carry the authority of the kingdom of God, that we are more than conquerors, that he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world, that with Jesus, all things are possible. That's what he sees when he sees you. He sees Jesus Christ alive and all the power of heaven alive in you and able to work through you. But do we see it? David recognised what God could do in and through him. But then also, We need to pray that God enables us to see these battles, these giants, these challenges as God sees them. That ultimately, whatever is coming against us, it has no control or authority or power over us because of Jesus. That if God is for us, who can be against us? That Jesus, by His Spirit, has given us everything we need to overcome any onslaught that comes against us. It might mar us and hurt us and wound us, but it cannot, it will not defeat us because of Jesus. Paul writing to the church in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 says this, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Think of Saul putting on David, his armour. That's the way the world would fight. But David says, no, 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 no. I fight with a sling. I'm a shepherd boy. I'm proud of it. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. God has given us these divine tools, divine power, these weapons that are not of the world that we access through prayer and confession and worship and scripture and fasting and mutual submission in community. These things that God pours out into us and through us have the power to demolish strongholds, addictions, sickness, injustice, corruption, systemic abuse. God equips us not through our own strength, but through the spirit of God to defeat giants. And we need more Davids in our world today. More men and women who are so full of the glory of Jesus, who are so utterly, passionately devoted to Him that they will step out in boldness and in faith in a way that galvanizes others. You know, I imagine David when he races out to Goliath. He's not there thinking, oh, Goliath, he's so big, he's going to kill me. I think his spirit was full of faith and he's like, look at Goliath, look how big he is, I can't miss. And he steps out and he brings about a great victory. We need faith that rises up from a worshipping heart 
And look what David's courage does. It says, when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. The enemy runs when we stand up and confront it in the name of Jesus Christ. But what happens to the Israelite army? Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines. They were galvanized. You see, David's victory became the victory of the army and the people of Israel. His faith and his act of worship released life and blessing and victory and freedom to a whole nation. And we need today, David's men and women, who will worship in a way that will lead others into freedom, into hope, into breakthrough. There's been a bunch of stories in the press this week about the church, particularly the Church of England. Classic stories of decline, which numerically, of course, is true. Talks that the UK is no longer a Christian nation. But this one statistic from a survey in the Times newspaper just broke my heart. It says, shows that 67% of priests, that's clergy within the Church of England, 67% of priests think that the church's efforts to stop and reverse the decline in church attendance will ultimately fail. Two-thirds of the leaders of the Church of England are looking out at everything going around and thinking, ultimately, we're doomed. The church is going to fail. They're like the Israelite army, stuck, paralyzed by fear as the enemy, this giant Goliath, is breathing out murderous threats. But we need worshippers like David who will say, no, our God is a victorious God. His kingdom is advancing, that he is the hope of the world, that the world and the church is not periphery to the world. The church and Jesus Christ is at the very centre of the world. And we need to pray and believe that people can see that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth and the life. And it's not going to happen without confronting evil, confronting Giants, we need to be a people of faith. People of faith. And as I close, we see this thread throughout Scripture between the Old Testament and New Testament that often characters in the Old Testament, their stories, their victories, their battles, their foretaste, they're a sign of the ultimate victory that's to come in Christ. It's called typology. David was a messianic type figure who when he confronted the giant of Goliath, that this story was a foretaste of what is to come in the person of Jesus Christ, who had to face many Goliaths, many giants. Jesus Christ, who is also a shepherd, he was the good shepherd and he was mocked and ridiculed and hidden away and abandoned. We read that people would look at him and see nothing special or important or significant about him. Jesus ultimately, who was rounded up by the church, religious, pharisaical leaders, who was arrested by the Roman Empire and who was ultimately mocked, abused, tortured, a crown of thorns wedged into his head, whipped and then nailed to a cross. I mean, it seemed crazy and foolish. And and Jesus at any point could have said, how dare you? And he could have commanded the God of the angel armies to unleash a torrent of um, abuse on all those who are coming against him. He could have He could have seen that all those who were trying to kill him could have been overcome and overthrown, but he didn't. He didn't. Jesus chose a different way that seemed like foolishness to the eyes of the world. He lay down his life. He didn't have to let them kill him, but he did. 
and every nail that was driven into his arms and his feet, it screamed defeat. It screamed failure. It screamed game over. But we know the story. Jesus was in the grave for three days. Everyone must have thought it's over. All of these hopes that Jesus was the Messiah who was going to lead the people of Israel into victory, overcoming the Roman Empire. Everyone thought it was wrong, that he'd lied, that it was over. But on the third day, on the third day, the stone was rolled away and Jesus steps out. He takes off the grave clothes and he steps out victorious. The giant of sin defeated the giant of death overcome once and for all. The enemy, Satan, completely defeated, now powerless because of the victory of Jesus Christ. And like David, his victory became the victory of the people of Israel. Jesus' victory is our victory. That whatever we are facing today, we can have hope that Jesus has overcome, that Jesus will work in and through us, that nothing can stand against us nor defeat us. And I know some people are here, you're facing really challenging things. Cancer, sickness. Some of you are just in a web of depression and anxiety. Some of you, you're, you're dealing with addictions that you can't break through in. Some of you are just such hatred and self-loathing towards yourself. Some of you are dealing with just such anguish, something that's happened to you or friends and you're just absolutely devastated. Some of you are dealing with loss. Some of you are being accused of things. Some of you are facing financial ruin and it feels like this massive giant is mocking you and he's shouting at you and he's saying, stay down, you're dead. Your days are over. It's always gonna be like this. There's no joy to look forward to. There's no life for you. It's over. But what we need to see is in our own strength. We haven't got what it takes, but there's a good shepherd not only standing next to us, a good shepherd, Jesus Christ, the Saviour of the world, who's defeated death and sin, who's alive and at work in us. And the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave lives in you, lives in me. So we can see the giants and say, I will not give you the authority to hold me back. I believe in Christ. You can be defeated and it may be painful. It may be messy. It may take time, but I will not succumb to you because the battle is not mine. The battle is the Lord's. For too many here, you're fighting in your own strength. You're trying to give things up. You're trying to find ways through. You're trying to kind of step away from things, but you'll only find breakthrough in Jesus Christ. And we need to fold our lives into Him and say, God, I need You. I need You. I need You. And if we will, we'll be able to face the giants before us. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? And this, I don't want to be like a motivational speech. What we need, we need the Spirit of God to do this because I I talk with you, I've journeyed with a whole bunch of you on different things and I know it is so challenging and so complicated. Sometimes a quick, you know, oh, just pray a bit more and you'll be fine is really unhelpful. At the same time, some of us, you're just lost and you need to see 
how God sees you and how God sees the giants around you. So Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. The Spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The Spirit of God who mobilised a bunch of misfits, apostles, disciples and early church, hidden away in an upper room, terrified. Came upon them and breathed courage that galvanised the early church to explode into life. Lord, we need that today where the world says the church is dead and over, where the world says if you're addicted, then you've got no hope. The world says miracles don't happen. Lord, we need your Spirit. The world who, who uses Jesus Christ as a swear word. Teachers can use that word and nothing happens. Lord, I pray that You'd put within us a far and a love for You that would not stand to see Your name mocked and ridiculed and belittled in society today, Lord. Raise up worshippers. Come, Lord Jesus. If you're watching online, open your heart. Ask that the Spirit of God would equip you for battle. going to do is if you're here and you know that you're facing some challenges, some battles, some giants and you feel a bit overwhelmed I'd love to invite you just to come out to the front because we want to stand with you, we want to pray with you that the Spirit of God would come and help you see right to feel that hope and that peace that maybe you haven't felt for a long time we'd love to pray that God would help you be more like David and uh, if that's you, whatever the circumstance, whatever you're going through, I'd love to encourage you just to come out to the front. Wherever you are, come out now. Push your way through the aisles. Come forward. And we want to pray. And, and as people are coming forward, the, the other thing is some of you, you want to be more like David. You want to have that wild, courageous devotion. But you know you've got a bit stuck. You've got a bit stale. You know, church is a bit of a hassle. Worshipping Jesus is a little bit, ah. you know, reading the Bible. There's no fire. There's no fire. There's no fire and you need the fire. If that's you, just come. Come right out to the front. We're going to pray. But we want to pray the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus that has conquered, that has defeated the schemes of the enemy over each and every one of us. Freedom. Freedom. And if, if, if ministry team could just begin to come forward, I'd love you just to begin to pray over people. And don't be afraid of emotion. It's a sign of health and life. But there's no emotion. Usually that means there's a corpse. Lord, release release fear from people. Lord, where people have given too much power and authority to someone, release them. May they recognize that you are with them. You're right here, standing over them. If there are any more women particularly, it'd be amazing if you could just come and pray.
Just before we worship, I really think that fire thing is important for some. I just felt this morning God's been speaking to me about as a church that we need to pay attention to the fire of God and the fire in our hearts before we focus on anything else numbers, growth, mission, evangelism, outreach that we need to focus on the fire of God and so if you're here and you want to pray God set my heart on fire then we'd love to pray for that but come Holy Spirit move in power move in power Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastreet.org or follow us on Instagram at Gastreet Church.